Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today I'm starting a brand new series called Release and my first guest I'm super excited to talk to is Emma Zek. Emma resides in Kansas City. She is an empath, writer, photographer, artist, spiritual teacher and all-round creative. Her healing modality center around codependency, love addiction, generational trauma, boundaries, shadow work and inner child healing. She has extensive experience with narcissistic abuse and dysfunctional family systems. And she's really become an expert at healing um, and is able to offer her services to people and coach people through um, whether it's dating abuse or or love addiction or codependency and all of these things. Um, So uh, those of you who have been loyal listeners know that I am extremely passionate about talking about different topics like this. Um, she, she is going to tell us a bit more about how to break the cycle of trauma, abuse and oppression. And, um, hopefully there'll be something that we can take away from this, which you will find extremely valuable. So without uh, a further introduction, I'm going to welcome Emma to the show. Welcome Emma to Unplug with Annie. I'm really excited to have you on this, on this series, particularly because of, of all the, the topics that we're going to be discussing. So thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you. I'm super excited to be here. So just, I mean, I've, I've given a bit of introduction about you, about what you do. Um, obviously, there's certain experiences in your life you have been through, which of course mold everyone into who they ultimately become and and mm-hmm. and then you, you've done a lot of work on yourself but mm-hmm. coaching is uh, of course a big decision to make um and obviously everyone who experiences trauma or uh, any different forms of abuse or anything along those lines doesn't necessarily choose coaching as an option so when mm-hmm. did you decide that this was a thing for you and I'm curious to know if it was during the process of all these things happening or, or was it really like going away healing and then deciding that this is what you want to do yeah so I think it was um, more so sort of going away and healing um, and just realizing the utter shit storm that I <laughs> that I had been through um, and just just realizing that I feel like I have a real opportunity to help um, women specifically. I do work with some men, but women specifically, because that's been my experience, um, to just not go through as much pain that I went through. Um, and specifically with the family trauma, um, I, so many people grow up in very similar environments that I did, very abusive, very cult-like, um, for lack of better words. Um, and then they, they grow up to be adults who are sort of um, navigating the world through the lens of this like wounded inner child who was never given um, the correct, not the correct, but like healthy tools to navigate one's life. And so I know there are so many people out in the world that are in, in those situations. Um, and so I, I sort of just realized that I feel like I have a really good opportunity to be able to use my story of, of, of healing, my story of trauma, and then of healing from the trauma to help others do the same. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know if there was like one specific moment that I was like, oh my God, I want to coach. It was sort of just like a gradual thing and, and realizing that I, I, my voice matters and, and, and people really do resonate with it. And so after I had started posting on Instagram for a while and people were responding and, and, and really like resonating with my words, I was like, I could, I could really make a business out of helping people do this. So. Mm. 
and and so we're going to be talking about a lot of different things that you do specialize in if, if, mm -hmm. like for lack of better a better word but um uh one of those things being um like codependency like codependent mm -hmm. relationships so just for the sake of the viewers and people listening i mean this is a term which I wasn't really familiar with up until recently mm -hmm. and once I did read about it I it just kind of hit me that um hey I think I might have some of these you know like mm -hmm. uh, behavioral traits so mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about this and and what we could potentially do if we do recognize those traits to break away from it yeah so um there's i feel like there's multiple different definitions for codependency specifically but what i sort of um define it as is is a, a chronic neglect of of oneself um and codependent relationships look like where we we get into a relationship and we sort of neglect our needs um we don't really have a sense of identity we don't really have a sense of self and we sort of like mold or like mesh into the other person um, there's a real lack of boundaries. Um, there's usually usually some en enmeshment, which enmeshment just means like no boundaries at all. Um, and so we sort of just mold ourselves um, into a relationship um, and it just becomes a very a toxic situation because we're so focused on um, the other person and what the other person's doing and how to fix them because a lot of codependents um, attract really abusive or emotionally unavailable people um and so it's just we just have such a lack of um identity if that makes sense yeah how i mean i sometimes feel like it's difficult to find is there really a sense of balance i know there must be a difference between a healthy and unhealthy relationship but mm -hmm. um sometimes people even you know talking to friends and people even say in healthy relationships there is this sense of negotiation and compromise so mm -hmm. at, what, at what point does it become codependent yeah that's a that's a really good question um and i don't think there's a black and white answer for that um but i think that that there's there's an acronym that um my therapist shared with me and it's brave um and it's b and so that that just means boundaries like does the other person have boundaries um do they have their own do they respect yours um r let me hold on i'm gonna look i literally have it on my phone really quick because i like yeah. don't exactly know what r is um but i know all the other ones mm -hmm. um but this is a really good acronym to just sort of tell you um, if this person that you're engaging with is a healthy person to engage with or not. And then I will sort of answer your question about when it becomes codependent. Um, so B is boundaries. R is reliable. Um, do they do what they say they will do? Um, yeah. So their, ac their actions are in alignment with their words. Um, A is, again, sort of action. Um, they're not all talk. V is a vault. Um, are they conscious about and have access to the inner workings of their mind slash soul? And mm -hmm. E is emotionally present to themselves. They don't need you to fix them. And they also, and also to you. So vice versa. Mm. Um, so I bring up that acronym because I feel like oftentimes in codependent, or most times in codependent relationships, we're going to the other person. We're engaging in this relationship because we feel so like devoid of any sense of self or any sense of self-love. And so we're going to this other person and engaging this relationship to fill a need, to fill a void. 
um, to make ourselves feel better. And so I feel like that's sort of when it becomes codependent because it is, it is about a balance. Um, I mean, like you said, the compromise and um, it's going to fluctuate too, but it's really comes down to, are we, are we going to this person because we need them to make us feel better or we need them to fill a void in us that we're not necessarily willing to look at by ourselves? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So and, and another term which has come up quite a lot and that I'm reading about is shadow work when it comes mm -hmm. to healing. Mm -hmm. So what, what is this concept of shadow work and is this something that we, we can do as individuals by ourselves and take time out and is there an exercise we can do for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I sort of look at shadow work as um, the parts of us that we maybe have sort of neglected, um, that maybe have been shoved into a box and put on the back burner and regarded as like bad or wrong or faulty. Um, and so we all have an inner child, right? Um, and this inner child is, is the person in us that was programmed, um, for lack of better words, by our family of origin. We were, we were told how to be, what to wear, what to do, how to survive. We were told how to, um, or we were shown how to get love. And so this inner child sort of um, becomes this false self, if you will. Um, where we exist to meet other people's needs. We were never safe being ourselves. And so we exist solely um, in, the pro in the way we were programmed in order to like cater to the people around us. And so shadow work is really sort of about getting in touch with that inner child um, that has been neglected for so long and, and, and the, the parts of us that we sort of had to shove into a box in order to survive. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really, it, it's, it takes a lot of work um, to get in touch with those parts of ourselves. but I feel like a good way to start doing that is, um, like for me, I started writing letters to my inner child and, and sort of letting her have the mic, if you will, for like the first time in my life um, and really like getting quiet and sitting with her and, and asking her what she needs, how she's feeling. Um, so yeah, that's a really good exercise to sort of start getting started. Um, it's just to like write letters to your younger self. Yeah, yeah, okay, amazing. And and so generally with with now going moving on a little bit to to relationships which are perhaps toxic or abusive in some way, there's so many women who come out and talk about it or or when they're in something and you know it just feels like everybody else sees the problem but the person in it doesn't see it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of justifying it as love. And I guess feeling we're almost taught that love is sacrificing your own needs for another person and mm -hmm. seeing mm -hmm. someone for who they really are and loving them despite everything, um, mm -hmm. which, which I guess can, can get us into a very unhealthy place as well. Mm -hmm. In those situations, is detachment the only option? Is that the only option to really break away from or is there a way of mending this kind of relationship while you're in it? And, and when somebody is behaving this way and they themselves can't see it, or does it take a third person to really step in and take control? Yeah. Um, so I like to think of relationships like this as sort of a merry-go-round. Um, and, and you can't really see that you're on a merry-go-round until you pull away from it. Um, but the only way to stop the merry-go-round of the relationship is if both people decide to get off. Um, and so I would say, yes, a relationship is, is 
salvageable um, if it was otherwise toxic or I, okay, let me back up. I would say abusive relationships. I don't think there's any reason to try to make it work with somebody who would um, physically or emotionally abuse somebody. Like, I think that that's just um, a no-go. That's a hard boundary for me. Like, I don't even... I know that there's um, a lot of like trauma bonding and Stockholm syndrome. And so there's a lot of different dynamics at play here. But if somebody is capable of being abusive, then mm -hmm. I would say, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and granted, that's again, not black and white. I know there are people do change. Um, but just especially for women, like absolutely not. Like there's just no reason to put yourself in that situation. Um, but if the relationship is just otherwise toxic, if you will, um, where sort of both parties are at play and there's a lot of like unhealed wounds and stuff, um, then yes, it's salvageable, but only if both people are equally willing to work on their own stuff. Because Ram Dass has a quote where he, he basically says, um, like the best thing I can do for other people is to work on myself and vice versa. And so people... Um, oftentimes in these situations want to just like work on the relationship and fix the relationship, not realizing that our, who we choose to engage with is a mirror of what's going on inside of us. So if we pull away and go inward and both equally and then come back to the relationship, there's a chance of it being salvageable. But other than that, if we're just trying to micromanage and fix the relationship, that's just behavioral management and that's not getting to the root of the issue and say maybe one partner is an alcoholic, if they just stop drinking, but don't get to the root of why they needed to drink in the first place, mm -hmm. they're just going to repeat the pattern in another way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I just feel like, I don't know whether it's, it's, it's something that women do more than men, but I just mm -hmm. feel like there's so many situations or even looking at my past experiences or even people that I know um, in certain relationships wanting or feeling that they can change someone. And I don't know if that is actually possible. Yeah, so that, that is a very um, common codependent um, way of thinking um, where we're so focused on everybody else and trying to fix everybody else. And, and if, if Jim, my boyfriend, would just get his shit together, then we'd be happy. Um, and the truth is, is that we are responsible for ourselves. And that is absolutely it. End of story, period. And if we get caught up in trying to change another person, we are just one that, 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 that gives us um, sort of a pass to not look at ourselves because if we're caught up in those dynamics, there's clearly some wounding in us that we're not looking at. Um, and two, if, if we try to do that, I mean, we're just going to lose ourselves 10 out of 10 times. It's just not going to be um, a, healthy, a healthy connection at all when we're so caught up in trying to change other people. So is there, I mean, there's a lot of content out there now, which is sort of like red flags, green flags in yeah. relationships, but are, are there certain things that we can really spot early on and, and therefore just sort of, in order to be able to take that step back early on, because obviously it's much harder when you get so involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that acronym that I brought up is a really, really good way. Um, the BRAVE acronym, I can say it again. Um, B, if they have boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, and if they respect my boundaries and they also have their own boundaries. Um, R, are they reliable? Like, do they do mm -hmm. what they say they're going to do? Um, a, action. Um, and then V, the vault, if they're like, if they're doing their own inner work. Um, mm -hmm. And then 
well, I forgot what E was again, but E is emotionally present to themselves. Right, right. Yeah. And then they don't need you to fix them. Um, and they're also not trying to do the same for you. And yeah. so I think that's like a really easy tool to sort of have in your back pocket. Um, mm -hmm. Because I feel like talking about red flags is, um, can be kind of tricky just because there's so many different scenarios and so mm. many people have different preferences and, and what they're willing to compromise on. But I feel like those, that acronym sort of like boils down to the like bare necessities, if that makes yeah. sense. And then yeah. other than that, it's sort of um, up to personal preference. Yeah, of course. And so on your journey then um, of your own personal healing, what did that journey look like and entail and did it involve really getting other people involved in order to help you on your healing process or is it something that you really went and exper experimented with and uh, found the thing that worked for you and, and what was the most effective thing for you? Yeah, um, I don't think there was like one um, super specific effective thing. I think it is a plethora of things. Um, and I definitely did not do all this by myself. Like I, mm -hmm. I needed a lot of support. Um, and I still, I still get a lot of support from coaches and mentors, um, and people in my circle. Um, but basically what I did is I started attending a support group, um, that's called adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. And that whole support group is really just about like healing your inner child and, it literally is like they have this huge textbook that's like literally like a textbook on how to heal yourself um, from like the effects of growing up um, in, a, in a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was really, really remarkable and really changed my life. Mm -hmm. But also with that, just like doing my own research and researching love addiction and codependency and, and the dynamics of like healthy relationships and researching like attachment trauma because oftentimes people who end up in these toxic relationships have some sort of attachment trauma um, from their childhood and also I actually I will say I think the most important thing for me was disengaging with people who um, are toxic and people who um, don't respect my boundaries people who essentially don't um, don't have the the things of that acronym that I shared with you, like people who are not emotionally available, people who are not accountable, people who would gaslight me, like anybody who I and my body did not feel safe around, I, um, I ultimately had to cut off in order to continue prioritizing my healing. Yeah, absolutely. And why, what, what do you think makes that cutting off so difficult for people? Because I know that so many people struggle with it. It's almost like you have all the ingredients of making a cake, but you don't know how to make it. And in the same mm -hmm. way, I just feel like it's like we know what we're supposed to be doing, but mm -hmm. what is that thing preventing us from doing it? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I've <laughs> wrestled with that so many times where I'm like, I know that I, this person is not healthy for me, but why do I keep going back? Or why mm -hmm. do I continue engaging with them? Um, and that has a lot to do with our subconscious brain. And, and when we go through trauma, um, specifically with certain people, there's a thing called trauma bonding. I don't know if you know anything about trauma bonding. I, I, I don't know too much about it. I've heard the term, but yeah. Yeah. So it's basically where we bond. Um, there's so many different definitions for all of these terms, I feel like. Yeah. But the way that, that I see it is like we're bonding to somebody like through shared pain or, mm -hmm. or shared trauma or 
or anything that's not sort of like based out of a stable, healthy connection. Um, I even had a trauma bond with a guy that I could, I clearly like see now. I didn't realize it when I was in it. Um, but I had a trauma bond with him because he was like the spitting image of my father. And so that energy really, really resonated and I didn't know any different. And so when we grow up in these situations and your, your family doesn't even have to be like horribly abusive or anything, but still you're, you're getting programmed to go about relationships in a certain way that may not be serving you. Um, and so when we grow up not having healthy models for, for um, self-love and then love with other people, that's, it gets so like lodged into our subconscious brain. It's almost like a computer program of sorts. Um, that we literally, we can know logically that we're supposed to, or not that we're supposed to, but that maybe doing things in a different way would best serve us. But the subconscious brain is so much more powerful than the conscious brain. It will override it 10 out of 10 times. Mm. Um, and so that's why practices like meditation or like journaling or like affirmations and stuff like that um, are really important. It's sort of overriding those subconscious processes, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I was going to ask you about a bit about self-love and, and it's yeah. I think a lot of people are more, more and more aware of now, I think because mental health is being spoken about a lot mm -hmm. more. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it's that there's certain things which we're just not, I just feel like at school, you're just totally not equipped for real life. Um, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes even I feel like like, um, though it, we may look at it being the responsibility of our parents to pass on these traits or like mm -hmm. teach us these things, sometimes I feel like they, they haven't even been taught these things. So how can they possibly teach us? Absolutely. Um, but, but is it a matter of like educating ourselves about what self-love looks like and the things that you've mentioned, like affirmation and meditation and journaling, mm -hmm. uh, are, are these the tools that we do need to incorporate into our daily lives in order to make the difference in the long run because obviously I, I know that it can't be an overnight change in our subconscious mm -hmm. but how do we really sort of cement that change yeah so I like you said self-love is such a like like common topic that's talked about nowadays and I feel like there is a lot of toxic positivity surrounding it because um like people are just like love yourself and and choose you and all this stuff but it's like Okay. Like, yeah. And then it's like, okay, I put on Lizzo and like, I feel good for one night. And then the next day yeah. I feel like shit again, you know? Um, so one of my favorite Instagram accounts, I'm sure you know her, the holistic psychologist, she talks about how, um, the like lack of self love is really like, um, a lack of self trust. And so when we're, we grow up in these families and these situations and also just our society where we are really taught that in order to be loved, we have to betray ourselves. And so um, learning to love ourselves is, is really the root of it is healing that self-betrayal and that lack of self-trust. And so by doing that, what I always like advise people to do and what has really been working for me um, is to like make one small promise to yourself every day. Um, and that can look like doing like five minutes of breathing or like taking a walk for five minutes, um, or meditating for five minutes or doing whatever like feels most loving to you, but like setting, and you can do more than that, but it's important to start small if you don't have a practice of this at all in order to make it sustainable. Um, but like that doing those small actions will compound over time and you will slowly start to like trust yourself more and, um, 
like I said, with the, when you heal the lack of self-trust and the self-betrayal, that's when the self-love sort of steps in. So mm -hmm. it's not as easy as just like, yeah, like I'm going to turn on Lizzo and feel like a bad bitch. Like it's not, it's yeah. not that, it's not that simple. It's really, um, yeah, it, it takes consistent action. And, and would, so would you say the same thing in terms of talking about self-worth then and when we, when we actually attach our worthiness to relationships, mm -hmm. how to sort of mentally release ourselves from that situation? Would it be a similar thing? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, and then I also think just like telling yourself affirmations and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of toxic positivity surrounding that too um, because people are like, if you just tell yourself that you're worthy, you're going to believe it. And that's not necessarily true because your actions have to be in alignment with those thoughts that you're trying to create or else like you're sort of just lying to yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like for me, for example, my self-worth has really been tied to relationships. Um, and so it's been like, I just ended a relationship with a guy not too long ago where I didn't, I, it, it was not fulfilling me. And so that was me ending that relationship was me consciously like, making a decision and by making that decision i was energetically telling myself like no we are worthy you know yeah. and it's maybe leaving a job or starting a new job or or starting a relationship or anything or like taking up a yoga practice like any of these things can really like sort of start to ingrain in our brains that like no we are worthy um and so yeah it's just really important to take actions that are in alignment with those affirmations that you're giving yourself so considering you have been through this process and like you just gave us an example as well of being able to step out of that relationship and being more aware of it compared mm -hmm. to maybe another time in your life where you weren't, um, mm -hmm. how, how do you feel like, how do you feel in terms of comparing those experiences? It was, it was different for, for you at that time. Yeah. Um, wow. That's a great, I haven't really thought about that. That's a good question. It, is um, it just came to my mind. I do that. Was yeah, no, I, I love it. <laughs> um, so are you asking like sort of what was my like thought? Like how did it look different for me? Like being aware of this stuff now? Yeah. Being aware now. Cause I guess in the moment it, it's probably difficult to recognize, but with hindsight now you'd be able to maybe tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before when I was engaging in relationships with, um, I'm straight, so I, um, date men. And so when I was engaging in relationships with men, like it was, um, I would always, I would immediately step into that like caretaker role, that like rescuer role where I would attract men who are wounded and I would feel like so important that I would be the first girl in their lives to like really love them or that I could be that one girl that they'd change for. Um, never happened as I'm sure many women can attest to that never happening, even though we really want it to, it just, that's just not how it works. Um, and so this last time around, um, I really felt myself stepping into that role, but I'm so aware now and my eyes are fully like opened that I could feel myself doing it. And it was so interesting because the more um, I engaged with him, because I, I knew it from the get go, but I kept pushing the issue and I kept engaging and I, I, I didn't pull away. Um, and I felt my, like my anxiety just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Cause it was like my intuition that I've sort of, that has been so frozen for so long that mm. by this work, I've sort of started the process of dethawing it. Um, it was like, no, this is not, not that like that he's a bad guy or whatever, but like, this is not going to ultimately fulfill us. You know, like this is my higher self was like, this is not what you want. 
you're just repeating a pattern because you don't know any different. Um, and so I, I, it was interesting because I fully went in this time conscious of what I was doing. Um, and I was able to really see that it wasn't really about this guy. It was a, just about this pattern that I had grown so accustomed to, especially subconsciously that I didn't know how to be any different, but it's cool because, and like I said, that like sort of ingrained in my brain, like, no, Emma, this is what we're doing now. Like, this is the way we engage in relationships now. That's who we used to be. And she's not a bad person, but she ultimately is not like where we're going. Yeah. So. And do you, do you find yourself comparatively, I mean, I'm sure coming out of something like that at that time when, when you felt like that lack of control, did you feel like there was this um, space of mourning what you've lost? And now having been the person to make that conscious decision, is that healing process very different as well? Absolutely. Um, it's funny because, so this, this last guy that I talked to, um, he very much mirrored my father. He wasn't like, my dad is not the greatest guy. Like he wasn't a bad guy at all, this guy that I'm talking about. Um, but the dynamics, the role that I sort of stepped into was very similar to my father's, uh, the role that I played with my father. And so when I, when, I ended, when I ended things with him, I really felt like I was abandoning him, which was so interesting because we only talked for a couple of months. Um, but I really sat with myself and I was like, I felt like that when I cut off, like when I cut off my dad too, I felt like I was abandoning him also um, because my dad has a, had a horrible childhood and I, um, I would always make excuses for the way he treated me um, and I would be like, oh, well, he's wounded or whatever. And so I always felt like I was abandoning him because I, I thought I needed to fix him. Um, and so on the topic of mourning, it was so interesting because I was looking at this guy and being like, this really doesn't have anything to do with you. It really has a lot to do with my dad. And so like sort of through that relationship, I was really mourning my dad. Um, but then also with that, I was mourning the part of myself that is no longer that way. And I was sort of like letting her die with mm. that, like laying her to rest with that guy and then with my father. And so it was, it's been like a really beautiful, like metaphysical time for me now because I'm grieving um, so much, but I'm really, what I'm really grieving is those, those old parts of myself that, um, that had to like twist herself into a pretzel in order to get love. And, um, that just, that just was really wounded. And so as I step into this healing journey, yeah, sorry, I'm a long winded like way of saying that like, yeah. yes, I'm definitely mourning, but what I'm really mourning, I feel like is myself. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was like a really good detailed answer. Um, <laughs> definitely a lot to take away from it. Well, it's just been it's been really amazing chatting to you and and hearing about your experiences and and of course like you um, have so much experience in all of these things that I think it's so important to get the right information as well from people who have been through it and do really mm -hmm. understand it. So thank you so much for, mm -hmm. for doing this and, and sharing. And um, I look yeah. forward to sharing it with the viewers. Thank you. I'm so excited. It was an honor to be on here. <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm going to keep you posted with everything and um, I, I can't wait to release it. Okay. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much. You. <laughs> And that was the end of an episode of the series of release. I will be back next Sunday with another episode from the same series as we continue this journey, primarily focused on relationships, on healing, on self-love. 
And I'm super excited for you to tune in to more episodes with a lot more new guests. I can promise you that you're going to take something away from all of these episodes and all of the amazing people that I'm going to be talking to. And meanwhile, you can stay updated with everything Unplug on the Instagram page, Unplug with Annie, and on the Facebook page, Unplug with Annie. You can also go to the website and sign up for the emails if you haven't already, which is www.unplugwithannie.com.